greetings or whatever. I'm just a little crabby. I hate to start it off on such a negative note, but I'm just a little crabby. Uh, it is breaking news in my life. I have not had a cup of coffee in 10 days. I think, I think I'm going on 10 days here. I had to make a dietary change. My doctor told me like, you can still have caffeine. Coffee just might be a little bit too much for you, a little bit too much caffeine. So I've been substituting with matcha. Normally I have a, like, I make myself a nice little matcha in the morning. And then in the afternoon I have an espresso because it's not as much caffeine. It breaks my heart to report that I feel a lot better. I am not having the digestive issues I was having before. I just feel lighter. I feel a little bit better. But for some reason today on day 10, it just feels like I hit a wall and I would break through a wall to have a nice cup of coffee right now. I miss it. And like Michael made a pot this morning for himself. He's not in this with me. I'm out on my own. I am definitely not in this with you. How was it? Coffee is really good. How, how was it? It was really good oh, as usual. God, I want it so bad. Like my matcha is delicious. Don't get me wrong. I have the whisk, you know, and I like the little ritual of boiling the water and, you know, mixing in the matcha and then I frost some milk and it's delicious. Don't get me wrong, but there's something like a thick cup of coffee you're pouring from the coffee pot. Oh, I miss it. I'm just, I'm just a little agitated that I can't have it. And I'm even more agitated that my doctor was right. I was really hoping she was wrong. I was hoping it was gonna be like, mm, no, that's not the issue. Like continue to drink coffee. Life is good. But unfortunately she was absolutely right. And I feel better internally, but externally. And I guess just like my mind really misses it. I miss you coffee. I hope everybody had a nice, long, relaxing holiday weekend. I know I did. I just really laid low, tried to stay off my phone, hang out with friends, be in the moment. And my friend Kylie and I actually went to a place called Santa Thrift, which is in Prim, Nevada. It's about an hour away from where we live. And it's touted as being like one of the most sanitary thrift stores in the country. So they sanitize everything. They do like a blue light something to it. I don't know. We love thrifting. So we made the drive out there. And I'm so glad that we did. If you are ever in the Nevada area, it's a great stop. I would say it's probably about like an hour from the strip if that's where you are. And first of all, looks can be deceiving. It was basically an abandoned outlet mall. This was definitely once like a booming outlet mall. And now there is a Taco Bell and Santa Thrift and a Tommy Hilfiger outlet. And I think that's it. And the Santa Thrift definitely used to be an H&M. Like within 20 minutes of being in there, I was like, this this is a closed down H&M. I feel the vibe. I feel the structure of the store, the fitting rooms, the cash register, like good for them. They took a place that was all fast fashion and they, and they made it, you know, really earth friendly thrifting. This place was massive, like the biggest thrift I've ever been to. We were very overwhelmed. We got through like all of the men's stuff, like the t-shirts, the old Levi's, the jean jacket. And then we realized we didn't even scratch the service and we went into like sport mode. It was... Our carts were like, mm, okay, cute. Like we have one or two things in here. And then we hit like the middle section and they were taking pictures of us. Like we, we made it on the Instagram. We could not be tamed. But the most interesting part about it. So if you're a thrifter, obviously, you know, you go to a thrift store and everything is priced pretty individually. So if you see just like 
uh, whatever tank top, it could be like $4. But then if you see a tank top and it's Ralph Lauren, maybe it's going to be 10. So everything is priced basically based on designer and quality. But what's interesting about Santa Thrift is everything is essentially, every category is one price. So all jackets are $17.99. All t-shirts are $9.99. All jeans are $20.99. So if you're going through the jackets and you see like a wet seal blazer, it's going to be $19.99. But if you also see an Escada blazer, instead of it being uh, like priced up, it's still $19.99. So that actually really helped a lot in shopping. I feel like I got a lot of good things that normally maybe would have been priced higher, but you got them all for one rate. So it's like, it's, I can see how it's good and it's bad, but it really didn't matter to me because I just love thrifting. I, I was trying to explain to Michael that I love thrifting the way he loves golf. So like Michael's passion in life besides me, obviously is golf. And there's like this excitement around it about when's your next game how can, is that a golf game round? I think round. Okay. More appropriate. When's your next round? How you can improve different courses you want to visit. Like there's always that excitement around it, right? Yeah. I keep a list of all my favorite courses, the courses I want to get to, the top 100. Yeah. And like, like cities you want to visit that have them, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm the same way. Like when we go to visit somewhere new, I start researching. I do a list of my phone. These are the best thrift stores in the area, the best vintage stores, best luxury consignment. And I like improving on my thrifting, like making mistakes and doing better and buying better and buying smarter. When I am in another city and I find something that fits me perfect and feels like me, I have to imagine it's like getting a hole in one. I I, I really have to think it's the exact same emotion. I've never had a hole-in-one, so I couldn't verify that for you. But I think a hole-in-one is one of the best feelings in sports. So if you're thrifting... Is one of the best feelings in the world? Yeah. So it it exceeds any type of just industry, like sports. It's like in the world. Like this thing... Thrifting internationally, that's my master's. Anytime I go somewhere, like uh, the few times that I've been to France, when I thrifted there, I'm like, I'm literally across the world. And I found this dress that fits me like a glove in a bin. And it could have been a green jacket. You get it, Michael? I get it. I know that. I'm impressed. Masters, green jacket. That's what they wear, right? Mm -hmm. They should update that. Honestly, the green's like, it's not that good of a green. But it was so enjoyable. I got so many good things. Unfortunately, a lot of them were sweaters and like we're about to reach the sweltering heat here in Las Vegas, but I'll put them away in like my sweater bins and then come winter when I open them up and I see my new sweaters there. What a feeling. What a feeling. You know how people say like shopping is my cardio. Thrifting is my sport. And I'm a champion. So again, I was feeling a little bit grumpy, coffee deprived when I decided on today's topic for the podcast. And it's basically going to be joys that I'll never feel again. And that sounds really dark. It sounds ominous. I'm a happy, joyful person. But they're just things from when we were children and society has moved past them that we will never feel again. So I thought we'd just go through the list. This is in no particular order or ranking but a trip down, down memory lane, a time before coffee, a time when I knew better and was happier. Anyway, we'll get into the countdown. It's not a countdown though. Again, they're not ranked. My brain. It's, 
it's really showing how much coffee really helped me in the first, what, eight episodes of this. Okay, first and foremost, I want to start with the joy of burning a CD. Burning a CD. Every kid that grew up burning CDs is just as talented as any DJ at a music festival. Our creative direction in putting together mixes and then naming them and like writing in permanent marker, like all the names on the CD in a circle. If you were really advanced, you'd have like a CD case. Like I was Diplo in the eighth grade. No offense to Diplo, but it's, it's just the truth. The way I would put together mixes based on mood, like off BearShare or LimeWire. I hope I, I can't still get arrested for that, honestly, exposing myself here. But I would do it like start the CD off with like a really calm vibe and then maybe go into like deep sadness and then something uplifting at the end. Like maybe I'd start with Death Cab for Cutie and then I'd go into like some Taking Back Sunday and maybe end with some Jack's Mannequin. Steve Aoki can eat shit. Like I, all of us, the whole generation burning CDs was a true talent. And maybe that's why we're so in touch with like music and just all these festivals because we were the original DJs. Did you burn CDs, Michael? I feel like you weren't allowed to do anything illegal in your in your house. Does burning CDs mean that you like got the music illegally? Because I made CDs for my car, but I, it was all music I gained illegally, like through Apple Le- Music or whatever. I don't think you could do that. I don't think you could burn CDs off of iTunes. Yeah, you could. You could. I don't know if you could do it like in the beginning. You, you had to download the song. Right. And not to mention, we were coding. Like to download a song and then burn it onto a CD was so next level. Girls who code. Sorry, Carly Claus. So not really, to answer your question. I made a few CDs from my Apple, you know, library, which is just now modern day playlist. But no, I didn't oh, do that's it. So, that's, that's so deep. Modern day playlist. See, I was too far into doing things that were illegal for free that I don't even remember if you could do that off off iTunes. Um, 99 cents was just too high of a price to pay. But apparently like 10 years in jail uh, was not. You were really thinking rationally at that age. Good for you. That's right. That was, that was before coffee. My mind was clear. But I'm, I used to burn a CD for every mood, every occasion. Like if I was going out with my friends to the movies that night, burn a CD for the car. If I was graduating, graduation mix. If it was about to be fall, fall moody list. Like, and then I'd burn them for my friends. The best was when somebody made one for you. You got a taste of like their music. And now it's like, I just send Spotify playlists. I'm like, hey, listen to this. And it just doesn't mean as much. Making a, making a Spotify playlist does not mean as much. Taking the CD out and God forbid, God forbid you spent forever burning a CD and then you put it into like your boom box or your car stereo. And either one, it was warped and the songs did not transfer because that would happen from time to time. And it, if I was going on like a long drive, aka to school and I didn't have my music, No wonder teenagers are so moody. But also sometimes you would download one and you wouldn't listen to it all the way through. Like you would just check to make sure the beginning is like, yeah, this is the song I want. This is the quality. And then what would happen in the middle of it? It was somebody impersonating Bill Clinton and it would play in the middle of your song. And that. Wait, what? I'm not familiar with this at all. What do you mean? Like you download a song, but it would be somebody, one that somebody messed with. And I think in the middle of the song, it would say that um, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. 
Oh, you're talking about like the Napster music or LimeWire. Yeah, music. yeah, oh. exactly. Someone yeah, would like again. tamper with it. Not so it'd be like dark blue, dark blue. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And I used to be in the car like, God dang it. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. My Slurpee mix is ruined. Like my 7-Eleven drive mix, it has to go in the trash now. That's a big problem. If you're still burning CDs, you're truly an icon. Truly. Playlists really took away that joy. They gave joy and they took it away. Another joy I feel like I'll never feel again is bowling alleys. Bowling alleys have changed and we cannot deny that. Bowling alleys used to be a city center, a mecca for communities, the hangout spot, the meetup, the cool birthday party zone. I remember my sister had a birthday party there and I was so jealous. I remember one time they took us uh, there during care company, which was like, you know, like after school care. And a kid did, though, like the bowling ball didn't leave his fingers. And so he swung it back and then swung it forward, but it didn't leave his fingers. So he tripped over and he knocked his two front teeth out. Maybe that's why bowling alleys are no longer the thing. But there just is not that joy of like, hey, let's go to the bowling alley tonight. It's like now I'm like the shoes are smelly and who knows who wore them, like who wore them before. The grilled cheese isn't hitting right. I, I always, I'm always waiting whenever I bowl, which has been about five times in my adult life now. I'm waiting for them to turn it into cosmic bowling. And they never do. What happened to cosmic bowling? Where all the lights go crazy. Like at any moment, I'm like they're going to set off cosmic bowling and this place is about to get lit. And they don't. That's what, that was the downfall of bowling alleys is the refusal to make cosmic bowling a thing. And then they have like the really like nice bowling alley. I don't want a, a luxury bowling experience, okay? I don't care. I want cosmic bowling and some bumpers. See, I do remember bowling being a big thing. We did that. That right? was, you know, early high school. Yeah, and I remember too, like on like a snow day or something. Like my mom would be like, oh, let's go to the like an indoor activity. Let's go to the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. We were we were actually going there pretty regularly for like one winter season. And we got to know the... The guy behind the desk, you know, whatever. And uh, I don't know, one day we made a bet with him and we were like all acting like we were really good bowlers. We're like, you know, 16 at the time, maybe. And this guy made a bet that we couldn't bowl a 300 game, which is a perfect game. And obviously, we, you Due know, to that, that. obviously that's like a really, really hard thing to do. But us thinking we were awesome bowlers, we're like, yeah, I bet we can do it right now. Just watch. And so I started this game with six straight strikes. Literally. The, no way. It was unbelievable. Something came over me. I've never. Was it cosmic? No. No. And there's no bumpers. It was like legitimately. I couldn't believe what was happening. This guy could not believe what was happening. He bet like we'd get free bowling for the whole year. <laughs> and like he literally could not believe. He thought we hustled him. And then finally, you know, I didn't get a strike in you... the seventh round. But it was like a rush. Wow. What an accomplishment, though. Best game I ever had. I think it was like 220 or something. And normally I get like 120, which is below average. I normally get like a 20. Like in total. I'm a real, that's why I need the bumpers. I'm a really bad bowler. Like, I, I think I remember bowling once and it was in the single digits. Like a seven. That's terrible. That's, <laughs> maybe that's also why, why I don't go bowling anymore. It's just because I, I couldn't keep embarrassing myself like that. A sound I'll, I'll never really enjoy again is the sound of a door opening on AIM, letting me know that someone has come on to my buddy list. 
hopefully it's my crush, but the sound of that door creaking open was a rush. I'll never duplicate. I'll never duplicate that. Like being upstairs, uh, popping a Pop-Tart into the toaster and hearing that door and absolutely launching myself down the basement stairs to see who it was. I don't know if you can replicate that in the year 2022. You were just such like, uh, what's the word? Just like Computer stereotypical, kid? like teen, <laughs> you know, like it's just so funny. To hear we all this. were, these were, we didn't have phones or, or like, we couldn't really like diversify. Like, I feel like we experienced a lot of the same things. I, the worst pain too, was when like my crush or someone I really liked would get on. I would chat them and just say like, sup. And then immediately it would be the door closed sound like, Boo-doo. and then they'd sign off. Nothing was more, was like more detrimental to my self-confidence <laughs> <laughs> than hearing the door slam in my face. Man, they should bring that back. That was funny. I, if they gave me the option, you can never text again. You can only reach your friends on AIM. I would do it. And don't tell me like, oh, well, Slack is like AIM or we have Gchat. Be quiet. No, it's not. Until I can hear that door open and it's Mike the guy 222. And I'm like, oh my God, Michael's online. Or like golf guy. I feel like your AIM screen. What would be your AIM screen name today? I don't know. I think yours would be golf guy 90. It's funny because it can never be the same because texting exists. Exactly. You know, like Gchat, Slack, none of that. Even though it technically is the same thing, it will never be the same because texting is available. You have to take texting away to bring AIM back. AIM was special because in a brief moment in time, you were at the same place virtually as your friends, as your crush, as your classmates. Texting is like, you know where somebody is at all times, they're always available to you. For a brief moment, that person is available to you, not in person. What a rush. And then there was the bots, like smarter child. When nobody was online, I was bored out of my mind and I would just talk to like smarter child. I guess that's like me talking to my Amazon Alexa now when I get bored, asking her like, give me trivia questions. I guess that's the same. That's the, that's the modern day equivalent, but it's just not, it's not right. I spent a lot of time talking to Smarter <laughs> I didn't have very many buddies online. Michael! Buddies online or buddies? Both. <laughs> I would like categorize my buddies. It was like the original MySpace top eight. Like there would be like besties, school friends, people from camp, boys, bots. And I would like move them into different categories. So I would like be able to see like who's, who do I feel like talking to in each category? I had a couple of screen names. My first one was Laguna Girl 91. That was my original. Then I think I moved into, it was A Dizzle 67, which feels just as mortifying coming out of my mouth uh, as you would expect. Why 67? Why A Dizzle? I, I just, I would take it though. I would bring A Dizzle back if it meant I got to talk to my friends on AIM. I would also pay a really exorbitant amount of money to be able to go back and see what my all my away messages were, like go through my away message catalog, because those were an art. They were the original blogs. AIM profiles and AIM away messages 
was Reddit. It was Tumblr. It's Squarespace, LiveJournal. It's all of it. I mean, I was putting my whole feelings into an away message. I've gone, I, I miss it so much that on occasion at work, I'll put up like a Slack away message if I'm going to eat or like if I have a doctor's appointment and I'll use like a song lyric from the 2000s. And I don't think many, nobody's commented on it yet. So either they think I'm deranged or they just haven't noticed. But I love putting up like a, your lipstick is collar. Don't bother, Angel. I know exactly what's going on. Getting lunch. It really, it spices up the day, which makes me feel sad to say, but it's, it's it spices up the day. Oh, you are a 16-year-old girl living in a 30-year-old woman's body. <laughs> no, it's less than that. It's like 14. It's like 14, 15. That was your prime. Oh, I used to use like click five lyrics a lot. Like, you're just the girl I'm looking for at the OBGYN. <laughs> this is what it's come to. Look at what happens when you get rid of AIM. We're a smarter child now. God. I know we just referenced MySpace, but I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the feeling of seeing that you're in somebody's MySpace top eight. It goes both ways. Like it was very detrimental to all of us to realize you were not in somebody's top eight or for someone to take you out. Like it, it was a popularity contest and I don't like that. But there was something about logging on after school and seeing that you were in somebody's top eight that just felt really, really special. Or the interface where like you'd log on you know, it's like new picture comment, new post, new comment on the blog. Your friend uploaded a new photo. You have 10 new friend requests. That was so just for my nervous system, it sent it into overdrive in the best way possible. Going through all my little notifications, like a little businesswoman, like I needed to check them off one by one. God, and, and again, we were coding on MySpace to do these backgrounds and like get a song you like. I, I was a coder on MySpace. They gave me the tools. Michael, who would be in, they came down to a top four. Who would be in your, in your top four right now? <laughs> I'm not prepared for this question. You. That's what you want to hear, right? Yeah. I remember it being much more detrimental than exhilarating. Yeah. I checked the same girl I had a crush on like every day. I think, like, I made it into the top 20 for one. 20? Month. Isn't that, like, what it was at? I think so. It got up there, but man. Yeah. Maybe I was, like, 18 for a month, <laughs> and I was really flying high. And then when you get dropped out, oh, crushing. It, it was like, crushing. what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And the worst is when they dropped you without telling you a reason why, and you felt, like, this anxiety of, exactly, like, what did I do? Are they mad at me? This is kind of passive-aggressive online behavior. It was probably did more bad than good, to be honest. Yeah, it was toxic. Toxic. Toxic Tom over there at MySpace. So this one, I understand that it could be a joy that we still, that we still have in today's society. But catalogs. Getting an Alloy catalog, a Delia's catalog in the mail... In the summer, right before school started, right before Christmas time, was an unmatched experience. That Alloy or Delia's catalog would hit my mailbox. I never signed up for it, and that was the magic. Never had to do a thing. It just showed up. I would sit in my room. I had this big, like, purple puffy chair that I got at the store, dry ice. 
that I begged for. And then finally, when it went to like 80% off and they were selling the floor model, I got it with my, with my uh, babysitting money. And I would sit in that chair cross-legged and I would go through every page and I would start circling like every single thing that I wanted. Like it was like a, a fantasy, almost like original Pinterest. Like I know I can't have all this, but these are my goals. I would, I would circle every single thing. Then I would go through it with my mom. She'd let me pick out like one or two things I could get for back to school. And then this was before a time when you could just go online and order it. You had to call the 1-800 number in the catalog and place your order over the phone. And talking to the person on the phone about your choices was heaven. I'd be like, yes, I would like number CA2543 in a size small in brown plaid. And they'd be like, oh, great choice. I love that one. I mean, that was shopping at its best, at its best. Going through those catalogs and living this fantasy life of I could look like this, I could dress like this was such a time. Even like when Victoria's Secret catalogs would come with like the swim in it. Catalogs were were really an unmatched shopping experience. And fun fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you were like Adelia's catalog girly like me, not even Adelia's girl because I could not afford everything. It got really expensive. Cassie, the singer Cassie, who was with P. Diddy for forever. You know, it's me and you. Now, I did not have sex. No, I'm kidding. Um, Cassie was Adelia's model before she was Cassie the singer. She was that Delia's girl. The one in every catalog where I was like, damn, why don't I look like that? That afternoon, just sitting in my room with the catalogs, playing my burn CD, listening to hear if the door is going to open on AIM. I, I'm, I don't want to be negative because I love, I love my life. I love it now, but I miss it. I miss, I miss that, that joy. The next one is very specific, but it came up over the weekend with our very good friends here. And it's the sunroom at Wendy's. Why Wendy's ever took away their sunroom atrium is beyond me. It was the differentiator between them and eat and dining in at other fast food restaurants. I did not want to dine in at a McDonald's unless I had a play place. That's, that's a caveat. I did not want to dine in at a Burger King. I wanted to dine in at a Wendy's, the fine dining fast food restaurant in the sunroom atrium. And now all of a sudden they're gone. But it didn't matter what season it was. Spring, snowy, it's winter. Looking out into the open air while I ate my junior double cheeseburger and a Frosty and dipping my fries into the Frosty was luxurious. I associated Wendy's with being a more luxurious fast food experience. When my grandma was like, hey, do you want to go to Wendy's today? Like I was going to the Ritz-Carlton of fast food. In my memory, there were white tablecloths in the sunroom. Bring it back, cowards. Shaving only up to your knee. Now I have to do the whole enchilada and I shave my leg all the way up to my thigh. But for a brief moment in time, when I first started shaving my legs in middle school, I think, for some reason, there seemed to be this general knowledge of all mothers, guardians, parents saying you only shave up to your knee. And so for many years, my thigh was just out in the wilderness, hanging out, doing its thing. Below below the thigh, below the knee, smooth as butter. Venus was getting its, its bills paid, okay? But I just remember this innocence of only shaving up to your knee and there's no reason, I guess this isn't, this doesn't qualify as a joy I can't feel again because I could start literally doing this today. And I think I will. 
I think I will. I even remember Jessica Simpson saying on the newlyweds, like asking her friend, like, you shave your thigh? I was like, yeah, don't you? And she's like, no. She was a woman in her 20s. It would also help me save on razors because those are very expensive. And the ones I get up to come by the mail, I'm going to do this. This this one doesn't count on the list, but I'm just notifying you. I'm, I'm probably going to start um, not shaving above my knee. It's time. Okay, the next one is going to the doctor's office and reading magazines for old people at age eight. Obviously, during this time, we didn't have cell phones. You can't, or iPads or like portable video games, really. I, I think I had a Game Boy, but I don't, I don't know if I was allowed to bring that out in public. It was pink and the Harry Potter game fucking slapped. And the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen games. But anyway, when you went to a doctor's office, you would have to read a magazine to like pass the time. And the kids' magazines are really at a minimum, especially if you're just going to like a doctor doctor, not necessarily like your pediatrician. So I was eight years old flipping through a Reader's Digest and laughing at like the old people jokes in it. And reading AARP magazine and Better Homes and Gardens. But now when you go to a doctor's office, I'm not picking up a magazine that a million other people have touched. I'm just going to look on my phone. I would love to see. I I know we referenced it in a previous episode, like a highlights magazine, but for adults. Free business idea. That would be so clutch if somebody did that. But, but if you were elite and your parent had like an early 90s cell phone, like late 90s, I guess, cell phone. And you could play Snake on it because our parents weren't really using their phones yet for anything other than phone calls. So when you were in a doctor's office or somewhere waiting, they weren't being occupied on their phone. They couldn't make a phone call. Texting wasn't really a thing. You could ask for their phone to play Snake. And I remember my sister and I used to argue over who would get to play Snake and who would get the high score. That game is so elementary yet a a pivotal piece of culture the way that little snake used to go around if you'd missed the little apple but it was really just a dot because phones weren't that advanced i would play snake any day over like a a video game but i I guess i don't play those either michael would you rather play uh today's video game like uh, i don't know what's a video game fifa Mm, call of duty okay call of duty gross um, was it gross? FIFA, Madden. FIFA. Okay, let's say Madden. Let's say Madden. That feels more like not gross. Fine. Yeah. Would you rather play FIFA or have a cell phone with Snake on it? FIFA. But I did appreciate Snake as well at that time. I, I'd play Snake. I, mean, I don't think in today I would. I wouldn't be surprised. Let me go into the app store. I wouldn't be surprised if some millennial recreated Snake for ios i mean I'm, I'm looking it up right now and if it's here i might have to end the podcast so i can go play Ugh, there's a game called wait a minute there's a game called snake classic retro and the interface of it it looks like it looks like a nokia phone and you play it on the little nokia phone i've i've never downloaded something so fast i'm agreeing to their terms and conditions they could be saying they they need to name my firstborn but i just downloaded it Okay, get started. It's time to enter the competition. It's saying add friends. I'm not adding friends to, to, to Snake. That's where they're getting me. Snake is an individual private game. All right, I, I've already deleted it. It's not the same thing. But they might have my social security number now. I don't know. 
It happened very fast. All right, this is a big one. And it might still exist. Like I, as an adult, can no longer experience this. Scholastic book fairs slash Christmas market. Holiday market. So one is when the Scholastic book fair would come to your school. And at a certain point during the day, you'd get to go out to the book fair, get some books. Kids got to get posters. And my mom told me, like, do not come home with a poster. Like, you're not spending $10 on a poster. You can get yourself a book or a bookmark. Sometimes there are little toys. It's like let us loose in the Scholastic Book Fair. And then when your parent would forget to give you like a little bit of money, that, that was hard too. Or sometimes my mom would just be like, you have books at home. What do you need a new one for? Go to the library. That was capitalism. Holding a Scholastic Book Fair in the library, which provides books for free. That was my first run in with capitalism. But I think the one that was the most exciting for me was when your school would put on like a holiday market and they'd set it up in like the gymnasium and auditorium and it would be like little vendors and you'd go around and you essentially pick out holiday gifts for your family, for your friends. And the real gag was that it was supposed to be like a surprise. Like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to give my mom a gift like from this market. But who do they think supplied the money to me? That day I had to be like, mom, the Christmas market's here. Can I please have $5? And then I would spend the $5 on something so shitty. It was honestly kind of mean to parents. Like my mom would give me her hard earned money. And then for Christmas, I'd give her like a plastic Tweety Bird keychain that says, I love you. I'm not going to lie. My mom kept that keychain on her key ring for, I think until I was in high school. I remember it distinctly buying it at the little holiday market. They wrap it up in little wrapping paper for you. But these markets and book fairs are the reason I'm a shopaholic. It's the reason I have a shopping problem today. Just being let loose. I had no concept of money really because I was just looking around. I was kind of window shopping, but sometimes I'd have five, ten dollars to spend. And that was just, oh my gosh, it was so exciting. I would prefer to shop that way again, actually. Maybe that's why I like farmers markets so much or like little, you know, like small business markets, because it's the same vibe. But I still could not go back in time. And go to the Scholastic Book Fair and buy like a, a, a poster of a puppy. That wasn't allowed. Goosebumps book? Sure. Puppy poster? Non-negotiable. <laughs> Drinking Slim Fast and thinking I am a fitness goddess. The, the hold that Slim Fast had on us as a society. I can't even say that it was healthy. I have no idea. But I remember having Slim Fast in the fridge and like cracking open a cold one on a summer day. And thinking I was like the most fit athletic girl in the world. And I've never like kicked a ball or thrown a ball in my life. I just remember thinking like, I'm a healthy eater. Like my body is a temple and, and the slim fast is going to help me treat it right. That needs to be a documentary. Mothers and their slim fast and, and their, their children having access to it. I don't even want to go too much into it because honestly, when I think back on it, me just like drinking a slim fast before going to the pool, I'm like, mm, I'm so full. And then coming home and eating like a four pack of Hot Pockets. I think I'll end with one that's really something I hold near and dear to my heart. And that's coordinating your outfit with your friends in middle school. I'm going to say maybe, maybe stop doing this in high school. I can't quite remember. Uh, but definitely in middle school, I was calling my friends on their home phone Hi, Mrs. Snyder's. Is Missy there? And then talking to Missy and saying, hey, do you do you want to wear a skirt tomorrow? Like, I have a new denim skirt from Kohl's. Would you also like to wear a skirt? And then us calling like five other of our friends and then all showing up 
to school in skirts. And then maybe we also agreed we were going to wear t-shirts with it and flip-flops and like curl our hair. And just that unity, that was, that was community. Okay. Like so many community managers now, so many people run their brands on community. Community was calling all of your friends and saying, would you all like to wear the same thing tomorrow? So I'm not alone and everybody agreeing to do it. Or especially like the night before the first day of school calling and saying like, hey, I think tomorrow I'm going to wear like shorts and this dog t-shirt from Limited too. Do you guys also want to wear shorts and a t-shirt? And it was just, it was solidarity. But there was no greater betrayal than when you got to school and they weren't wearing it. That was, that was dark. And then I'd be the only one like wearing a skirt. That was, it it was a little bit, it was a little bit, it still sticks with me. I think I'm going to start doing this more. Like sometimes I text girlfriends before we go out to dinner, like, Hey, what's the vibe? Are we getting dressed up? Is it casual? But I would like to reinstate just more matching, like normalize matching your friends as a grown adult. Next weekend, I'm getting together with some girlfriends and I think I'm going to text everyone first. Does everybody want to wear a skirt? Do you guys all want to wear platform sandals? Should, Should we all wear Spanx? This is on everything out of this list. That's probably the thing I would really enjoy bringing back outfit coordination with your friends. It's never too late. Well, that was a semi nostalgic, semi depressing trip down memory lane. And the next trip, I think I'm, I'm going to take us to a Starbucks. I don't know if I can do this any longer. It's been 10 days, uh, six hours, 42 minutes and eight seconds. That seems right. And I just, am I willing to go through digestive turmoil for a cup of coffee? I've been asking myself that question for the last 10 days. I think I am. I think I am. I will have lost the right to complain about my digestive issues, but at least I'll be happy because I have coffee. And I'm, I'm just chasing the same happiness I felt at the sunroom in a Wendy's. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. This week, I challenge you to coordinate outfits with your friends. Don't shave your thighs. Maybe visit a bowling alley and burn a mix. Love you guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.